Welcome to a bonus episode. Remember, these are not the typical episode on Keep the Heart podcast, but it's an occasional breakout session, kind of like a workshop at a ladies' retreat. So the topic today is for wives, and it's dumb things I did as a newlywed. I'm sharing some things that I did that are really great for the not-to-do list. So grab a beverage and settle into a comfy chair, and we'll go over these together. Thank you for joining Keep the Heart for today's podcast with Francie Taylor. Francie is an author, teacher, and conference speaker. Sharing lessons from the Word of God is her passion. Now, back to today's important study. Many of you know I'm a widow now, but that actually gives me a lot of experience as far as being a wife. I was married for 35 years And there's a lot of things I learned that worked, and I learned a lot of things that were clunkers too. So this is going to be four things that I did as a newlywed that I would say were really not good ideas. And I'm going to share them in light of scripture, naturally, because I always do. Are you ready? Number one, I complained about my husband's schedule. Ah, have you done that? Have you said something to your husband because you don't like how long his day is or how much he travels or something, anything along those lines? I sure did. Ah, the early days. I can remember when we had a dual income and no kids. I hardly noticed my husband's schedule because we were both gone all day. I was so busy and I had such a cool job. Do you want to know what it was? You you really want to know what I did. I sold cars. Yes, I did. I sold cars like nobody's business. I would walk all over that car lot and I'd show people the car and then they'd walk back in the building and they'd buy it from me because, well, wouldn't you buy a car from me? (laughs) And then you know what? Back in those days, because we're talking about 1982, 83, They gave car salespeople a bonus on each car sale, and some of the dealerships did it in cash. I happened to work for one of the ones that gave cash bonuses. I'd come home from work, and I always had more money in my purse at the end of the day than I did at the beginning. I loved selling cars. I was just loving it, and I was thinking maybe I should move up to houses next. (laughs) I'd come home from work, and I'd say to my husband, tonight, I've got something special for dinner. And he'd say, what is it? And I'd say, reservations. (laughs) Ha ha, that's an old one. Well, maybe you're wondering about that job description of selling cars. Well, here's why. We didn't have enough money when we first got married to buy a second car. So I went and applied for a job at the local car dealership and they hired this friendly girl on the spot. And then before you knew it, I was a top saleswoman and I had a free demo car with the deal. And I loved the job so much that when we transferred from Illinois to Minnesota, I went to work for another car dealership right away. And then one day, I felt sick to my stomach. Yes, a positive pregnancy test. And then we went out to dinner, of course, to discuss this. And my husband said to me, Francie, one of us is going to need to be home. I would like it to be you. I think he might have thought that this was going to be bad news, but inside I was going, woohoo! I get to be home full time. I get to be home full time. Of course, not knowing what that meant, right? I thought he was giving me time off for good behavior. And then we had Austin, followed two years later by Hillary, and 13 months later by Colin. 
The highlight of my day was folding pastel-colored little miniature undershirts with snaps between the legs. Norman was entering the peak of his career, and he had a lot longer hours, a lot of travel, and a lot less family time. Yep. And you know what happened? I became Mrs. Grump a lot. He would come home, and I'd say things like, you're hardly ever home, and I'm home all day with the kids, and I'm doing laundry and cleaning up after them, and and I had all these things to complain about. Well, one day Norman got tired of my complaining, and he made a very memorable threat. He said, all right, I could quit my job and take another one where I'd be home more. I'd have less income, but we could lower our standard of living, or you could be content with the work that I do. I had that coming to me. We were already living modestly, but I wanted more of my husband's time, and he was giving me all the time he could. Why do we focus on the things we don't have rather than being thankful for what we do have? Well, it's sort of a character flaw. But Philippians 2.4 really adjusts our thinking, and it says this, Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. I needed to see this from my Norman side, too. He was working as hard as he could to provide for his family on one income. I learned that day to drop the subject and not to bring it up again. So the moral of number one, don't count what's missing. Count your blessings. Number two in this not-to-do list of dumb things I did as a newlywed, I fussed at my husband about trivial matters. Now, what do I mean about trivial? I'll demonstrate by asking you this question. Should a man have to take off his shoes when he comes into his own house? I wish I could hear your responses because I know there'd be some out there screaming, yes. It's really crazy how territorial we become about our homes. I had to learn this. If Norman H. Taylor wanted to walk leaves, motor oil, Minnesota snow, and anything else into his house, so be it. I had a perfect place for him to put those grimy shoes, but he married his wife. He didn't marry a mama. So if he wanted to leave size 12 footprints all throughout the house on the carpet, so be it. But what? What? What about the carpet? What about it? Well, guess what I did? I complained about that one time too many also. And then one day at Christmas, there was this huge box. It was too big to put under the tree. It was standing next to the tree. And it's a gift I've never forgotten. When I first saw that great big box taking up a huge space in the living room, I imagined it had something spectacular spectacular in it. I was so excited as I was removing the wrapping paper off of this mega package. And then when I got all the paper off, I realized I was receiving a rebuke wrapped with love. It was a deluxe, and I mean, I'm talking ginormous, carpet cleaning machine. It screamed, Merry Christmas, Mrs. Nagy. <laughs> Proverbs 25:24 is a good reminder for us because it says it is better to dwell in the corner of a housetop than with a brawling woman and in a wide house. I learned that day that true reverence and respect for my husband included leaving him and his shoes and his other things alone. The moral of number two, nagging is disrespectful and it could earn you a prize you don't want. By the way, anybody want to buy a carpet cleaner cheap? Okay, on to number three. I came into the marriage expecting him to make my life complete. Now that's backwards, but that's what happened. I blame the wedding traditions for helping so many of us to get this backwards. The bridal shower is about the bride. The gift registry is often decided by the bride. The colors of the home are usually determined by the bride. The plans for the wedding are almost entirely made by the bride. On rare occasion, the man is included in the process and the planning. 
Even the clothing for the wedding day is mainly selected by the bride. The groom may get to select his preference of a color and a tie, but she may pick the tuxedo. And then there's the gown, the wedding gown, the garment that gets so much attention and it's worn for so little time. Is it any wonder that we come into the marriage thinking about ourselves? Listen to Genesis 2.18. And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. It took some time, but I finally learned to make Norman's world go round. As God increased my understanding of this really important role, he also greatly increased my love for my beloved. The moral of number three, drop the wedding mentality at the door. The marriage is about the couple. And finally, number four, this was really dumb. I gave my husband the silent treatment. Now, I can't tell you how backwards this one was. I can just tell you that I'm delivering as promised that I was going to tell you dumb things I did as a newlywed. You see, it went like this. Norman and I would have a disagreement over something and I would be miffed. I mean, I was cooked with him. I know we weren't supposed to be like that, but we were. It was our early years. Silence was meant to be a punishment for whatever I considered his transgression. When it really came down to it, he didn't see something my way, and that was his real crime. There's a verse for that. He that is first in his own cause seemeth just, but his neighbor cometh and searcheth him. That's Proverbs 18:17, and that's nailing it down pretty tight. Arguments are often a matter of not seeing eye to eye, but failure to communicate doesn't improve the situation. It just forces you to take the long way to a solution. What we need to remember as sister friends is this. The silent treatment is a rotten form of communication, but eventually couples do need to talk things out. So I had to learn how to answer Norman honestly when he would ask, sweetheart, what's wrong? I had to grow up past my old answer of nothing and carefully tell the truth. Later in our marriage, when Norman would say, honey, what's bothering you? I had learned to state the problem rather than accusing him of being the problem. Conflict resolution is part of married life. The longer you're married, the more conflicts you'll need to learn to resolve without resorting to punishment tactics. I gave up the silent treatment, but I was really still very careful how I filed my complaints. You know the verse that says a soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. It really matters what kind of tone of voice we use with our beloved. The soft answer works. The moral of number four, don't employ failed methods. Use methods that work. The Lord had to continue to polish my rough edges off even after 35 years. I had to work hard to remember that I was in my husband's life to make it better than before he added me to his world. If someone were to ask your husband about you, would he say that God did him a favor by bringing you into his life? Whoso findeth a wife findeth a good thing and obtaineth favor of the Lord. Proverbs 18.22 You've been listening to Francie Taylor. For more from Francie, visit keeptheheart.com for devotionals, books, and the popular Bible study series, I See You in Christ Unconditionally. ICU is flexible by design and encourages users to develop the habit of daily Bible study. Visit KeepTheHeart.com today. Thank you for listening.